Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Club football is back, the Champions League is back, and isn't life wonderful? I'm Dan Burke, and I'm joined today by Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Podrick Whelan. Hi, Dan, mate. I see it's a pleasure to have you back in the host chair as well. <laughs> and last week's host, Joel Sanderson Murray. Demoted, hello. Demoted into the sidecar. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were a bit of a caretaker last week. The uh, the Malillo while Dan was. I, I think on it was the supply bit. teacher and the kids ran riot. He had no respect for me at all. <laughs> <laughs> We've had, a, we've had an email from a listener that I'll read out later who said that the, uh, the camaraderie is coming through the microphone. Uh, when Played we are. for the <laughs> Now that we're in the same room together. And uh, I couldn't agree more, but, you know, lucky that the listeners can't smell. We'll <laughs> <laughs> <awesome. Or> see. <laughs> Speaking of bad smells, we're going to start with Manchester United today. Uh, there's a... Uh, a very difficult... Uh, <laughs> this is why you're the host. <laughs> segues like that. <laughs> They've made a very difficult start to the season. What is it, the worst start to the season in a decade? This is it? 1989. 1989. That's a longer yeah. than a decade. Yeah. I was like, you, you and the numbers when it comes Me to... Me and the numbers aren't great. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, thought, I thought 1970 was only 43 years ago. Actually, it's 53 years ago. A uh, bit of an inside joke for you there. <laughs> but yeah, Manchester United, uh, something's rotten in the state of Stratford. Um, what is it, Lewis? Who's to blame? It's Manchester United. <laughs> this is Manchester United Football Club. Um, who's to blame? How long have you got? Uh, and, and how are, the, are the Glazers mostly to blame? Because we sometimes... We, 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 to blame? I feel like not only us, but every podcast in the world has had this conversation about 800 times in the yeah. past decade or so. And we're still no closer to an answer. You've seen people like Gary Neville coming out after the game the other night saying the Glazers are the overall overriding... Yeah. Blame the Glazers, everything. the Glazers are in charge, right? Like the Glazers decide who, maybe not who the manager is, but who the person is that picks the manager, and the, who the person is who picks the transfer strategy. Like the Glazers are the people who have the power to fire those people, and if they were tuned into what was going on and aware of if things are good or not, and if they cared, then they would probably be firing and replacing those people. However. <laughs> The Glazers didn't spend... The Glazers have made money available for Manchester United. The Glazers didn't spend about 90 million quid on Anthony and whatever the fee was for Sancho, Pogba and Mkhitaryan and Lukaku. And the list goes on and on and on of all of these players that Manchester United have spent enormous sums of money on. And, I mean, Ten Hag the other day spoke about, oh, everybody's spent lots of money. Brighton have spent lots of money. <laughs> and then what was it? The, the line-up from... Saturday's game, the Brighton lineup that cost them about, about 20, 340 20 million. million less, wasn't it? Yeah, like I think yeah. the Brighton lineup was like 20 million in total or something yeah. like that. It's like a, obviously Brighton, uh, to, to even mention them in the same conversation, seems incredibly disrespectful <laughs> the work they've done to put that squad and that team together. And, and in terms of appointing a manager, multiple managers and having um, a vision. So, yeah, like the Glazers, are they to blame? An owner that cared more and, and was more clued into how football works and what you should be doing would be would have a better Man United team right now. But the Glazers haven't held money back and they've not like prevented Manchester United from spending the sort of money you need to spend to build a team that can win everything. And that money's been spent badly by the by the people below the Glazers. So are they to blame? Yeah. But also so just everybody else. Yeah. I always kind of think when United fans it is a valid point that the Glazers take money out of the club and you know they are terrible owners let's let's not get it twisted here but like if the Glazers weren't taking that money out of the club would somebody else just be spending even more money on 
you know, bad mistakes in the transfer market. And are, are they making so many mistakes in the transfer market for you, Joel, or does it come down to a lack of coaching at the end of the day? Maybe a bit of both. Actually, I don't think it's um, one of those answers is exclusive to the other. I think they have made mistakes in the transfer market for, for talking years now. There seems to be a club that is very focused on buying the sort of the the sort of flavour of the month kind of playing. Then he sort of signed on with Lukaku under Mourinho when Lukaku was, was banging for him, but that never really seemed to be a big fit. Um, never really seemed to make Mkhitaryan work or he signed him. He just hadn't done that for years and years after, maybe even since Ferguson left, to be honest. They've just not quite had a sort of structure in place. And, and, and maybe they do have a structure in place behind the scenes. We don't, we don't know that. We're not privy to that information. But, but you mentioned Fergie, but that, then it is a coaching issue, isn't it? You know, all the, all the managers that they've had in the time have not got anywhere close to the, the level that he has. This, this is why it is both, because I think they go hand in hand in terms of the, the recruitment doesn't seem to, there seems to be an identity in terms of what they try and recruit. There's not a, a sort of plan in place to go, this is a you know, Man United type of player, we're going to buy him, and then the coach comes in to fit around sort of what we have in mind in terms of our style of play. They just go from one manager to the other. Um, and buy the players that manager seems to want to buy. And that's why you left in the situation now. It was worse last season. I know over, the, over somebody I've sort of got rid of a few players and last summer got rid of a few players. But you've got players that were signed sort of when Van Hal was there, Mourinho was there, uh, Solskjaer was there, and Ten Hag. And they're sort of, they're all a, a big, like the hair bear bunch, you know, they're a big <laughs> mumble jumble of players. But when it comes into a sort of a coaching issue, yeah, that is, that is a problem because. You don't see, I, I can't look at many my United players apart from perhaps Marcus Rashford to a point, of Bruno Fernandes to a point that have really improved over the past five years by, you know, a coach just worked with them and really improved them. And I'm seeing that now with, with Ten Hag and, and people might argue and say it's too soon to sort of throw him under the bus and, and say he's a problem, but he, he has had a season and this season has started well. And obviously last season, he only gets two cup finals, win one, so I'm qualified for Champions League. So his overall success but you just kind of wonder whether that's been built on sort of a shaky foundations. I'm not quite given to like his ability. And you're looking at it now and thinking, you know, watch them on Saturday, watch that game and cover it for, for, for the app. And they don't look like it's any, don't look like they've been coached at all. <laughs> is he a good coach, do you think, Podrick? Is it is it showing the uh, the Eredivisie up a little bit, his tenure at United? Or are we being a little bit unfair on him maybe after, you know, what they achieved last season? As Joel said, it's not been a great start to the new season, but they could still turn it around. Yeah, maybe like, I don't know, he was one of those when he got it, I wasn't entirely convinced. I think you probably have to do a little more for me to get the Man United job, like one of the biggest jobs in world football. Um, but on the other side of that, I suppose you've got, maybe you do have to take a risk like Arsenal did with Arteta. I mean, a bit different circumstances, obviously, but, you know, he didn't have a, a great kind of coaching pedigree behind him or any kind um, as a manager himself. But yeah, I don't know. I wasn't that convinced. And then I think Saturday was the first time you really kind of saw the Man United fans turning a bit as well, like, even though that wasn't Ten Hag's fault, like he said after the game, like he'd agreed to take Hoyland off, like he's not fit enough to play 90 minutes, but I mean, the crowd really did. I mean, how is Anthony Marshall still at that club? <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre to me. Yeah. He's never been at that level the whole time he's been there, apart from maybe his debut against Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the only time I thought he looks this, a player. This no, is the thing about the money, up. right? Like, there are so many players there on such, like Harry Maguire that had it this summer as well, on such massive wages because the money has been spent. Everyone says the money isn't there and they don't, 
make the money available. It has been spent, and now you're stuck with Maguire and Martial because you've given them massive contracts that they're not worthy of, which means it's impossible to get rid of them because no one else is going to pay them that kind of money. Yeah, indeed. Well, Chelsea are in a similar situation to that, I suppose, because uh, you know they've got about 800 players, about... 700 of them are injured at the moment, it seems. I don't yeah, know if you yeah. saw that uh, text that was going around on uh, social media this week from Trevor Chalibur's physio, or I don't know what he was, personal trainer, basically saying that the uh, the medical staff is a shambles, the medical department's a shambles, the players aren't getting um, the correct work done on the muscles, and that's why there's so many injuries. Is he on a bit of a hide-into-nothing Pochettino there, do you think, Lewis? Is it going to be one of them where we could see him leaving before the end of the season even? Or? I don't know if Chelsea... I think they, they've got a... They've got to stop that at some point, right? Like, you can't just... I heard someone listen to someone a couple of years ago and they were always describing Arsenal as, like, the, the, the situation, the environment of the club as a washing machine and new players to come in and maybe wouldn't start well and it was like, please, let's not just throw another player in the washing machine and it just... Throw won't. some money in the washing machine, that works. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Um, you know, Chelsea feels a little bit like that at the moment. If you sort of just change chopping and changing players and managers, he's got too many players still to work with. There's no way you can get a settled team, especially without European football. You got you're gonna have a lot of players unhappy a lot of the time because there's not enough minutes to go around for all of them. I I personally think Chelsea have been okay so far this season. I think they've deserved better results than they've ended up with. If you look at look at some of the games so far, they've like dominated possession, they've dominated territory. They've created chances and then they've sort of not put them away and then like Forrest. I think Jackson could finish. Didn't well, like they'd have well. what at least at least two extra yeah. wins if, if he'd finished a couple of pretty yeah, simple, Forrest straightforward thing. chances. You know, yeah, I think I think I said to Joel on Sunday that I think people will be quite if people are writing Chelsea off. I think they'll be quite surprised come the end of the season. I think Chelsea will be sort of not where you'd where they'd want to be or where you'd maybe expect Chelsea to be ordinarily, but I think they'll be sort of around sixth, seventh, above Man United. I wouldn't write it off at all. Um, is it a disaster if they don't get Champions League, given the nah, financial incentive I, to do so? I, I, I don't think so this season. I think sort of next year is maybe... You can't go... For, was it 14th last year? You can't, like, demand Champions League from 14th. <laughs> With that money, you can if you spend a billion. Yeah, yeah. But they're competing against teams that have built squads within yeah, the league. Well, that's the thing. They're playing catch-up, aren't they? And the, and the sort of the long seven... I know people laughed at it, but the seven, eight-year contracts and stuff, I think that also just informs that, like, they've not... They've not tried to build a team like this policy of not signing players that are 25 or older. Like they're not building a team to win every game this year. Like I don't, really, I don't think it will work as brilliantly as as they might hope. But some of those signings will work out. And two years from now, you've got the bones of a really good Chelsea team. I think. I think it's just going to take a bit of patience and a bit of time. I think Pochettino. I don't know if he's the manager to take them to sort of winning the league levels, but. I think with like I think this year they'll be back in Europe, and I think next year we'll be talking about Chelsea being in that top four race yeah. again. I think you made, you made that point there. Is is the one that they've they've thrown that much shit at a wall that somebody has got to stick. Like <laughs> the Sugar Bears went through four different replacements before they found their their the right uh, lineup again. That worked for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not the best fit of four to use. Well, I don't no, know. I think, you I, think it, I think it was pretty good. I do, I do think it, like, it's better than the hair bunch more current <laughs> slightly more current than the kids but uh, I, 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 I'm of the stance right now, at this moment in time I, I, I think Pochettino is on a bit of a hiding to nothing and I, I don't see how it can work out for him but just when sort of Lewis was, was saying that then you sort of look at it you only need one of Modric or Palmer to, I don't think it'll be the latter to sort or of the former 
Well, he's look. I don't think so, but he's got. It looks like he might have something in him. But if he hits who Mudrik, Mudrik, eight goals in ten games. Like I'm not saying he would, but if he could do that, so many Chelsea watching some training sessions that weren't available to public or something. I'm not saying eight goals in ten games. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but. Another player who looked good in his debut against Liverpool actually has done nothing since. So what is it about Liverpool that makes people look good? Well, let's look at how long you got. <laughs> you only need one of these players to to sort of hit form, and then everything else can fall around him. And I think by come by March, April, Chelsea might and Boston might just stumble upon a team that works, and then you know you've got eight lads who can't get into the squad. Um, but just one thing on Chelsea, their bench at the weekend was just absolutely I wild. couldn't yeah. believe it. There's, there's no way that Ronnie Stutter is a football player. <laughs> and Ronnie Stutter, yeah. That's a Bob Mortimer character. Patrick, as, a, as the, the baseball fan around the table here, is there anything in the strategy that you've seen deployed by Top Bowley that suggests that there's sort of a long-term plan in place based on the way that baseball is managed? Not really, because even his baseball team can't win. Well, <laughs> well they can. They, they can go so far, but then... Who's his team again? The Dodgers. Oh, yeah. They always... always Well, they did win a, a title, but it was during the COVID year. doesn't really... It gets frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, titles that were won that year don't count. Yeah, they don't count in any sport, in fact. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's not... Yeah, on, on that front, I don't think there's a lot of hope you can really... Uh, find for Chelsea on the I don't think they can look much at the baseball and hope that that comes off for them but it's just like what I said but when some of the guys come out I think the big ones like in Kunku like if yeah. he's the player yeah, like not even played yet yeah and if if he's the player that you saw in the Bundesliga like he might be eight goals and ten games kind of guy <laughs> I was <laughs> saying we're just going to go eight goals and ten games by the way so if you're going to try and tweet me and kick off shut up <laughs> Choco Michael looked good as well didn't he before he got injured yeah. and yeah like it a case of maybe getting a few of those players back. However, Dan, as you mentioned, if Trevor Chalabas, uh, was it physio, had, has anything <laughs> to say about it, Chelsea might not be getting those players back. Well, they will when there's someone else will get injured anyway. Is Trevor Chalabas physio the 2023 version of Paul Kuczewski's man? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah troop doctors. Could, could well be. Yeah. <laughs> troop doctors. What a night that was. Go down. Good on in legend. <laughs> Speaking of Manchester City, because uh, that was, of course, ex-player, Manchester City player, Sami Nasri, uh, email from Yogeshwa. He says, really enjoying having you lot in the same room. The camaraderie steps through the mics. With Pep now only a season and a half away from the end of his current contract, is a dominant City going to be reason enough for him to extend and stay on for longer? Or will he finally do the unthinkable and take the England job just to play Kane as a number nine? Now, I think the England job would be perfect for Pep. I think he's proper England-pilled in the time he's been here. He, he really, like, loves English yeah, football now yeah. and has had an influence on it, as we as we all know. It, you know, it's become a bit of a cliche. I, I think that would be a great job for him. I think he's going to probably not sign another contract at City after this one. I'd be surprised if he did. He's kind of done everything that he came here to do at this point, really. And that would be a good step into international management. I don't know if that would suit him so much because he obviously likes that intense, too intense, you might say, uh, work with the uh, players on the training pitch and might not enjoy only seeing his players every few months building up to a tournament. But I think he'd be a good appointment for England, a great appointment for England. And uh, I think it'd be a good job for him. What do we reckon? I hope so. <laughs> from As a big England fan. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Speaking of a fan of the club who challenges Man City. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could do with him leaving. And I, 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 think he might, I think he might be 
correct to be honest we sort of think about it, yeah, he has sort of achieved everything he has set out to achieve like the one thing hanging over his head was the the European the Champions League was in it and winning that and now he's got that on his belt and, and he's sort of having a look at what they're sort of going to do this season the way they've started <laughs> you know what else what else can they achieve I was trying to think last night sort of they win the Champions League again this year. You know, well done. Are they, are they trying to go and beat him this season? What, what what else can he achieve, basically? What else is there out there for? Well, there is the quadruple. Yeah, clean you know, sweep. The sextuple, I suppose, you could extend, extend yeah, it. Yeah, that talk. But I sort of, do, do sort of, when you talk about his next job, about going to England, I think, I, I think you've sort of said it there about sort of, whether he can deal with not having the intensity and working day to day to improve players, uh, he, he might try and think it's something for him. Maybe then he goes and tries it, and, and maybe that won't work out. And, uh, and also fingers crossed on that as well. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it does feel like maybe for him, is just coming to the end of his his era. It's just good to go out on top. What else can he do? And, and you know, maybe yeah, leave a city legend, which he will do. And yeah, that's awesome. Do not like. <laughs> The international game is like the only challenge left for him, isn't it? Like it's the only thing, you know, that or managing a team that isn't way richer than every team. He's not won the Scottish Premiership yet. He's you not. Maybe Wrexham. I could see Pep taking the Wrexham job. <laughs> guys. <laughs> Paul Holland, guys. Murder <laughs> uh, Tidville, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like he could, like I can't see him going to Italy and completing the set of, of big European titles because... Has any Italian team got the the weight to throw around financially to really compete for the Champions League year after year? No, and I don't think Pep Guardiola is going to settle for managing a club that can't win the Champions League every year. Oh, PSG in France. But why couldn't he? I don't, I don't think maybe, he'd be satisfied by that. There's no challenge, challenge I think. No. But but why couldn't he? Like I know we say like oh he's sort of done everything he set out to achieve. But that was true of Ferguson once as well. We didn't stop him just staying forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like he joked, didn't he, Dan? After the Champions League final, didn't he joke about coming for United's number of titles or for Real Madrid's number of Champions League titles or something? I mean, <laughs> and then he, he spends the next twenty years at I think he said the opposite again. He's like, actually, yeah. <laughs> like, do you not think there might be a part of him that has an eye on? Like well, chasing I mean, Man United, what is it, three three European Cups who now? Know. I mean, he said that he won't manage into his 70s or anything like that, like Ferguson did. He's in his early 50s now, so, you know, he's still got 20 years. A lot of them say that. Or, yeah, you never know, do he's you? addicted. You know. I mean, I didn't think he would do more than three years at City. Yeah. I thought that would be it, and he'd, yeah. he'd go somewhere else after that, and, you know, here he is. Honestly, I think you're spot on, I, I, and I think it makes the most sense... He loves it in England, City. It'll get to the point when his contract's up. I think it's an absolute shoo Let's see how much into Miami offer him. Oh. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I could see. I mean, he, he had some pretty uh, random um, destinations at the end of his playing career, didn't he? He went to Brescia. Yeah, yeah. He, he went to Mexico. Mexico, for Mexico. So I could see him doing something a bit weird at some point. But uh, the Spain route. Yeah, I think England will be absolutely perfect for him. Let's see if he, if he does it. Speaking of City, I've uh, been watching Erling Haaland lately and it's strengthened my theory that he's actually crap at football. I don't know if you've watched the last few City games. He's, he's very Thomas Muller, isn't he? He's missed loads of chances against uh, Red Star. He missed loads in night. He's got seven goals in eight games this season. Rubbish. My question to you is, how many would he score if he was actually good? <laughs> 52 goals a season. I reckon if he was Danny, if he was decent, he could get 100 <laughs> In this team, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> Overrated, overhyped. <laughs> Get rid of him. 
Our final uh, point on the Premier League is the North London Derby, Lewis, which is coming up this weekend. You're heading over to London for the game, are you yeah, not? Looking I forward am. to it? No. No? <laughs> never look forward to it. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 that's an answer to your question. That's what you were looking for. Feeling co- confident now? Or? Um, I don't know. Tottenham have a, do not have a good record. Or feeling worried about Tottenham, I suppose, is the bigger question. Well, it? never that. Like, I would be if I was you. Worried about the worried about like the, the stress and, and everything that comes with playing the derby. I don't know, I think Spurs uh, Spurs are obviously on a on a decent run at the moment. They've got a terrible record at the Emirates in, in North London derbies and not just at the Emirates, sort of at Highbury as well before. I think it's uh, speaking to Joel about Joel asked the other day, I think it's two wins in the Premier League era in, in North London London derbies away from home, one at the Emirates and, and one at Highbury. So what you're saying is they're due for a win? No, that's what you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, but you, you're you never go into the derby, I think, confident particularly. And a, a, even a draw feels a bit like a defeat most of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say looking forward to it. But I also wouldn't say scared. Uh, of, like, I think Arsenal are, are just a better team than Tottenham. And, and if both teams play as well as they can play, Arsenal should win on the day. Got the home advantage. Should be a cracking game. Patrick, is Ange Postacoglio almost a bit too sound? I'm, I'm starting to think that I like him too much. I, I'm waiting for the other foot to drop and him to do something. He managed to talk. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen, mate. I waited two years for him to, <laughs> to do something right now. When he did, it was was to break my heart. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But he's. Uh, I think there probably is that rougher side to him like, when you like hear from players and that. I wouldn't how, how distant and stuff yeah, that he yeah. is with him. Like, I won't want to do him as bad yeah, so like, I seen there was a lot of stuff like last week about how like oh he'll be the perfect guy for like Richarlison and all that like, he's going through and stuff. I'm like really no, I don't, <laughs> don't think from all from all that you see with like players and stuff, he's he's quite hands off. Um, I'm sure he will be. Like obviously it's, it's quite a different situation, but uh, too soon. I've never seen him like over here anyway. Uh, like in well over here sat here in Germany um, but you know in, in Scotland and now in England as well everything's gone well so far and there was this thing with Klopp as well right where Klopp was ah oh, this charming funny the normal one yeah and, oh waiting for the mask to slip and, uh, no mask I'm, like no manager's pleasant I don't think when their team's losing games and everyone's having a go at them and I some just, aren't pleasant when their team's winning games <laughs> said you <laughs> but I just I do just wonder if Tottenham lose three or four in a row if Tottenham go on a run where they're really struggling if they slip away from top four this season and, and the expectations have been set at a certain level and then there's a few bad results and people get on his back in the press which isn't nice for any manager like I think he could come across then quite brash and snippy the same way that Klopp does Klopp is a really likeable guy funny personable but when he's pissed off or when he's got a problem with someone, he can be nasty. Yeah. And, like James Pierce. Yeah. It's usually James Pierce. <laughs> Poor James Pierce. The thing is, though, they're not going to go on one of those runs because he's that good a coach, mate. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. It's Tottenham it's, famously have, have it's, never got carried away. Yeah, it's going to be sunshine points. and roses from here on in for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. God bless them. <laughs> Speaking of Klopp, it's not uncommon for him to bear his uh, teeth. I was going to say turkey teeth, that would be unfair. Um, <laughs> is it Joel? Is um, is he a bit of a dick on the quiet? Is is the, the, the Liverpool fans think he was a bit out of order the other day at all? Or 
Were you famous? When he was digging out James Pierce in the press conference. It was, uh, a, bit, it was a bit vicious. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It was it's, not a horrible question either. No. Like, it was, it was, it was a very, fair. It was a very fair question. And if someone else had asked it, they and probably wouldn't have Like, it. A, it was a fair question. And B, like... It's just part of your job, mate. You have to. Sit, I know you find it boring, but you have to sit in this room and answer boring questions. I'm sorry. Completely rational question. I think to, to answer your completely irrational question as well. I'm going to go James Pierce on you, mate. You should have. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the, 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 are you kidding me? The James Pierce thing comes from a, a sort of scenario, a, a situation last season where someone had written an article, a question sort of... Klopp's behind the scenes behaviour and sort of things going wrong behind the scenes and they got an inside source from inside the club and it turns out James Pearson actually write that article so uh, so Klopp has got the wrong sticker so, so I think yeah sometimes he can be I mean Lewis put that brilliantly there sort of he can be a bit of a dick um, <laughs> like even you know I loved it at the time but when he sort of was uh, celebrating the lines in the fourth official's face sorry after we yeah, won late against Tottenham near the last season not into the hamstring. Yeah, that's it's not it's not great behaviour really. But the thing is, he's a guy whose his emotions are right on the edge, and, and sometimes that can sort of slip and, and be sort of expressed in the wrong way. But you know, Liverpool fans, there won't be many who will go back and go against him and say, you know, he's wrong for doing it. It's just sometimes it's like okay, right. But no, I, I don't think he's a complete sort of the mask slips, and he's actually a. A, a really bad guy because you look at all the players who work for him and, and love him and everyone around the sort of the football club who, who love him as well like I, I think there'll be more stories about him being a dick to their face if he was actually it's the duality of man yeah he's a human being isn't he yeah. let's not expect perfection from him. yeah but also that's bullying he should stop it <laughs> yeah. I stand with James Pitts yeah I do yeah we're all here for you, James, if you're listening. <laughs> you're probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on now to the Champions League, which uh, got underway last night at the time of recording. We're halfway through the first match day, so we're not going to delve too much into any of the, the games that have happened Did yet. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we will one of them at, at the very least. But um, yeah, the big question about the Champions League, it's, it's obviously too soon to say. And I think Manchester City are the favourites to win it again. But who else are we, are we looking at as potential challengers for that crown this year? And any outside favourites that we have, any sort of dark horse potential, maybe? Oof. I mean, Real Madrid are the obvious. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, let's get them out of the way. They're obvious. I would get Bayern Munich out of the way, and by that, I mean... Not even rate them off. Not even a chance. No. Let's say you're winning it then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a mental competition, isn't it? And it's like, literally, in some cases, like it can come down to, you know, those pressure games, those pressure moments. Where the best teams in the world, you know, where City City have, you know, fallen foul of that many times over the years. They've eventually got a line last year. Real Madrid excel in those moments, so it could come down to something like that. City look like the best team in Europe on paper again to me this year, but I don't know if that necessarily means that they're going to be, you know, winning well, the, the trophy. The, the best team in, yeah, the best team in August and September often are not, I guess, the, the best. I think Manchester City probably will be, but they're often not the team that's impressive in, in March and April mm-hmm. and, and May, are they? I think, like, in terms of... Other, other clubs you might see a bit of a slower start. I mean, City themselves last season had sort of a slower start mm. to the season the first couple of months and then it felt like everything clicked in sort of February time and, and they went on that run to, to win the treble, obviously. It's hard to look past Real Madrid. I know you said, let's get Real Madrid out of the way. No, we can, we can definitely talk about it. Like, but it's what what more can you say than that? Really, yeah. like, oh yeah, European pedigree and all that. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they'll be. You know, what is it? They've not been. 
How many years has it not even got to the, at least got to the semi final in the past like twenty yeah, years? It's like two years, isn't it, or something? Yeah, two 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 years out of the last like fifteen or something yeah. ridiculous like that. It's it's, it's there now in the competition, but they've also added inside Jude Bellingham, who start the season sort of Ballon d'Or winning type form, and and you know it's, it's silly. And he, you know, I'd be surprised if he managed to produce that over the whole season. But if he you know if he does go a bit quiet and brings it back up in springtime, then you know, they, they've got the kind of player who can take you to a semi-final and to a final. But just, just in terms of about sort of an outsider, um, outside club, I mean, Inter and Milan last year get to the semis and in, in Serie A, their form was horrific for most of the season. Yeah. You know, end up obviously qualifying for the Champions League and, and finishing all right in the end. But you're sort of looking, there might be a club who finishes, who, who ends up struggling in La Liga or Serie A this year ends up finding a way to make their way to... Like a decent to, draw can make all the difference. Barcelona? That's what I was going to say. Like, nobody's talking about Barcelona. And said last week. Spanish champions have started off well. They've got a good group, so they probably won't it's get knocked out in the group stage this year. Yeah. Their summer signings were really good. And the kind of... Yeah, and the, I suppose the first Spanish team everyone here looked at was uh, Real Madrid. And I think a lot of that, like Joel said, is down to like, they've got one absolute superstar with Bellingham who probably could carry a team single-handedly. But yeah, Barcelona, Like if I know they've got a lot of injuries at the minute, but they get Pedri, Gavi, guys like that back then, yeah. You just don't have to be the best team to win this. No. Like A lot of those Real Madrid titles, I think, were great evidence of that, that you can just sort of be good for 10 minutes in home and 10 yeah. minutes away, and that's often enough in the Champions League as long as you stay in the game for the other 80. Which is why I wouldn't ride by enough, you know? Yeah. They've got the they've, they've got, got the players. They've got the quality there yeah. on the day to turn up for those big nights and Tuckle, you know, kind of knows his way around the tactics board and Harry Kane could be the difference for them. Yeah, true, true, true. And of course you can never write off Liverpool in the Champions League, can you? Except you can this year because they're not in it. Well, it's why you invite me onto the show. Just, you know. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about Liverpool not being in the Champions League this year? Are you how does it no I mean I treat this like get him on the Shea Lounge and yeah, yeah. and how does that make you feel well I mean is there, is there a novelty <laughs> factor for being in the Europa League this year it's obviously it's obviously disappointing but Liverpool didn't deserve to be in the Champions League this year because they were terrible for a lot of last season but I think you know as a Liverpool fan you can find a bit of a novelty in the Europa League like the finals in, in Dublin which is great for Liverpool have a huge fan base there so you might actually get that you're a long way from the final no, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. You managed to get that far. No, no, so far I don't get ahead of myself that much. But um, I sort of, but but also it's a, it's a chance to sort of you know we have a lot of young players in our squad right now who need minutes sort of help with their developments and and I think you know, sort of about Harvey Elliott and, and Curtis Jones and, and Badgesic and, and you know, Ben Doak exactly yeah, I, respect and, Ben Doak Joe exactly. Well, the thing is, yeah, I hope Ben you know, Ben Doak hopefully gets six start out of this and. I don't think they sort of have a look at that and you can see whether who can make it in our squad or not. So obviously it's not great being out of the Champions League, but I think for one season. I it's can not great being in it either. Like <laughs> <laughs> Find a way to enjoy it. And the most overriding factor is the theme tune to it is absolutely brilliant and the trophy True. is beautiful. So is there an argument to be made? Yes. I'm, I'm with you. I'm already with you. Yeah. There is the better one. I mean, the Champions League is a banger, but. You're all for that. That I'm gets a, me I'm a conference league ultra. That's fine. <laughs> 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 
Well, Lewis, as someone who's been on the uh, outside of the sweet shop looking in at the Champions League for the past few years, I'm talking in. Inside, yeah, licking those lollies. (laughs) (laughs) There's a big buzz around Arsenal, I assume, about being back in the Champions League. Yeah, I think that buzz maybe was slightly dampened by the group stage draw. Um, Because I think a lot of Arsenal fans maybe looked at the group and thought, oh, we've kind of brought the Europa League back with us Um, a little bit. Sevilla are missed the Europa League. PSV are a team we played in the Europa League last season. Joel's shaking his head as if I'm disrespecting those clubs. Like, no, I'm not. I'm, like a tight on. No, no, he's still going to win those games. No, but like no one's saying. I'm not saying Arsenal through or that it's an easy group. I'm saying Arsenal literally played one of the teams in the Europa League last season. Arsenal have been a Europa League team for five of the last six years. One year they weren't even in Europe. Uh, Lons are a team that have been in the Champions League how many times in the last 10, 15 years? Uh, not at all maybe yeah, once last time when he was played at Wembley possibly right uh, like these these aren't you, you think Champions League and you think of playing Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich and you know as an English club Juventus obviously aren't in Europe at all this year but like those that pedigree of club uh, it is Sevilla are like the kings of the Europa League PSV are a team Arsenal played in the Europa League last season so, like, you do just look at the group and I think... It's a bit underwhelming. There, is, there is definitely a buzz. Like, there's definitely a buzz. I think the you know, there won't be empty seats when that anthem plays tonight like there usually would be. Maybe people a bit complacent a few years ago when we were 19 years in a row in the Champions League and I think a group stage game against PSV, you'd still have people at the bar when the anthem's being played. I don't think that'll happen tonight. <laughs> well, I, more, more of my City mates decided they couldn't be asked going to the game last well, night. Well, exactly, right? The game. You do, so, like, you do actually, we you do begin to take it for granted. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's... You can have their ticket next time if you want, Joel, if you want to experience it. <laughs> so, I'll be able to go on the day, We're going to Union on Berlin in a few weeks, aren't we? You'll hear the anthem then. <laughs> that's nice <laughs> but yeah I think like there's definitely a buzz the group stage I think like if Arsenal had been drawn with Barcelona Real Madrid or Bayern Munich they couldn't have been drawn with Real Madrid but you, you know what I mean like I think that buzz would have been just sort of even more um, whereas the group stage draw has probably dampened it slightly um, and yeah but on the other hand I think there's a, a great excitement for like the chances of getting out this group compared to say the group not Newcastle ended up drawing you get one of the Milan clubs and PSG and like this it looks like a really tough draw to they're just happy to be there though aren't they they are so they are and good for them grounds, well yeah. you know that was um, a decent point from it I guess, guess that was a good point yeah, yeah, like, yeah. very good point just a bit well there you go and Podrick presumably you're just hoping Celtic finish third and go into Europe's best competition are you exactly so, all I want to hear you were cheering the final year. goals last night I was every you were singing cheerio when your boy got sent off Brendan's bringing the good times back <laughs> it certainly is one Europa League game at a time <laughs> right, hopefully and we got the novelty of a goalkeeper goal in the Champions League last night as uh, Joel will know covering the game and uh, Lazio game what's his name Providel yeah. Providel yeah. yeah great header wasn't it so uh, the what? movement the movement, yeah, it was, yeah. And the way he celebrated, like he does that every single week as well. Well, <laughs> actually, he has <laughs> got previous for it. He scored, oh, yeah. a goal. Yeah, he scored a goal Serie B like three years ago, really? I think. So, yeah, so it's, it's weird it that, that he's managed. Stuart Pace's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> just just, just one, uh, one thing on the Champions League as a whole, like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm an absolute fanboy for it and sucker for anything that comes with it like I am good to be out of it this year but it is brilliant because even like last night where it was kind of like 
a lot of the results were very standard. There wasn't like any big shocks and the big boys won, but it still had like one final like big dramatic moment to give you like in the in the last minute, which wasn't great for people who were writing match reports and had already written <laughs> match reports. But it's just like even on like on its first night, it still has a way to. Even when you don't think it's going to, as a way to give you something magical that you can spring like, the stars. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to remember that goal for years, and I uh, just love the competition. <laughs> so, go on, favourite goalkeeper goals. I assume you're going to say Alisson yeah, against West Brom, uh, obviously. Yeah. Alisson scores the head against West Brom. Better header than Kiriakos did when he played for the football club, honestly. Beautiful. And, uh, that goes into the Champions League. where's that come from? Terrible head. Oh, right. I was going to say, what's he done? Let it go. Roy Hodgson's uh, doing better, by the way. I'm assuming you're pleased about that. He was taking ill at the weekend, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Good to see. Best wishes, Roy. That's all we have to say on the match. Back on the the mend. Yeah. (laughs) Any more goalkeeper calls, lads? Jimmy Uh, Glass? Oh, as a a kid. And then I got my 2002 World Cup preview book from my parents and I was absolutely fascinated to get to the Paraguay page oh, yeah. and see that there was a goalkeeper who had a number of international goals. Chilavale. Yeah, Jose Luis Chilavale yeah. who, who took penalties and free kicks. So literally any free kick he ever scored, um, you know, that was that was before YouTube but as soon as I had access to YouTube when that became a thing, I was Googling, well, I was YouTubing Chilavale free kick compilations because <laughs> I still, all those years later, couldn't believe that there was a team playing at a World Cup that allowed their goalkeeper to run up and take all the free kicks. And he did, and he scored a bunch, and I think that's fantastic. I used to love doing it with him on uh, International Superstar Soccer 98. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, just before you jump in, I was going to say that Goalkeeper goals that I won't accept are ones like that Paul Robinson one. You know, we just sort of like took a free it, kick and it just like blew yeah. in the net. Like, yeah. I think Tim Howard's one. None of that shit. Yeah. It's either from a corner or Chilavert-esque for me. <laughs> or do you remember the one Serie A a few years ago when Benevento got promoted for the first time and they went on this like crazy losing streak to start the season? I, I can't remember how many games it was. It was like, 12, 13 or something like that and they lost every game and then they were 2-1 down to AC Milan in injury time and they sent the goalkeeper up and that was their first point they ever got in Serie A was the goalkeeper scoring which is that's a hell of a way to, to get yeah, Have you have you got an answer Dan? I was going to say Jimmy Glass Who did they relegate that day Dan? Scarborough as we discovered earlier Good knowledge <laughs> Carlisle United legend Jimmy Glass the, the, um, a couple of honourable mentions. Was that goal? Was it South Africa? That in South Africa, that a goalkeeper that scored an overhead kick a few years ago was nominated for the Puskas. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And um, and we were talking about it earlier. It just I, I'm always in love with the image of Brad Friedel, who scored at Cholton for Blackburn and then conceded a winner moments later uh, to to Klaus Jensen and just how he puts his head in his hands. Surely, definitely the only one I know, the, the only goalkeeper who's ever scored and then gone on and conceded a goal anyway <laughs> then changes the result back to a defeat. <laughs> the one thing I didn't get about all these goalkeeper goals is that I went on a YouTube search from last night is that most of the time they're scoring from corners, no one's marking them. And they kind of like, the lads literally wear them gloves so you can you can spot them. Different culture. Massive. Got different colours. Yeah, you couldn't stand out more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should mark it, you know that. <laughs> Where do you stand on the penalty ones then? Because you've seen Joe Harp score an amazing one. I not? did, yeah. That was in a pre-season friendly, yeah. I mean, still counts. If it's... Uh, not in a shootout. Though. Not in a shootout, yeah. 
If you, you know, because well, City fans are desperate for Edison to take a penalty because apparently he's the best penalty taker at the club, but Pep's just too nerdy to allow him to do that. Right. You know, in, in like <laughs> a, in like open so play, imagine he misses and that's a rough match. Yeah, but we've got we've got a pretty terrible record with penalties, and everyone's like, let Edison take one then. But it's probably never going to happen. I like how none of us mentioned Peter Schmeichel, who's probably the most famous uh, for that's prolific goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. Well, is, is that Casper's dad? Is it Casper's yeah. dad? Yeah. <laughs> Play for, play for Man City. Ah, okay. Pure team as well. That's the villa, I think. Yeah, it might have been, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's finish with a quick uh, chat about the Bundesliga and Serie A. We'll start with the Bundesliga today. Lewis, one question for you. How love are we with Alonso Ball, after, especially after Leverkusen's brilliant draw at Bayern Munich on Friday? It's, it's the future. <laughs> the new garlic bread um, yeah the best thing since sliced garlic bread <laughs> yeah fantastic isn't it um, yeah Leverkusen look brilliant and I think before Friday you were still sort of thinking you know Leipzig first day of the season which was a bit end to end a little bit raucous uh, and then the next two games uh, were not the biggest challenges and you maybe went into Friday's game thinking yeah, especially away from home against Bayern, not just playing Bayern, but, but at the Allianz Arena. If Leverkusen could stand up for that test, then they're probably not going to get away from people calling them title challengers for much longer. And I thought they were the better team in Munich. I thought like Bayern looked really good for the first 15 minutes, obviously went one up early and you thought, here we go. It's going to be the thing they do to Dortmund every year where everyone thinks yeah. Dortmund could win the league and yeah. then Bayern score four or five. And I think I've grown when Kane headed that one out. Yeah, Come like, on. like, <laughs> like it was all too predictable, yeah. wasn't it? Um, and then Leverkusen, I thought, yeah, like Alonso you know, changed the shape a bit. Frimpong played a bit further forward defensively. It was, it was more like 4-4-2 instead of a back five. Yeah. They got back in the game and... Hell of a free kick from Alex Grimaldo. Hell of a free kick from, yeah. from Alex Grimaldo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think they were the better side. Um, yeah, it's going to be the test. It's going to be Europa League and that Thursday-Sunday grind and how Alonso manages to rotate and use the whole squad there, I think. But in terms of that first eleven. Leverkusen look every bit as good as Bayern at the moment. They certainly do, yeah. And we had a big game in Italy at the weekend, Podrick. Uh, a big result for Inter winning the derby. What was it? Derby? How's it Della called? Madonnina. Della, Della Madonnina, that's it, yeah. Uh, 5-1 in that game. Are they looking like the uh, the top dogs in Italy this season for you? Yeah, well, I it's quite... So a bit like we were talking about like in Germany there where you're hoping someone else can maybe come and mount a challenge. But that's not really been the case in Italy and it looks like this year... Like, if this carries on, they might run away with it. Like, you kind of almost saw it coming with Napoli that when Spalletti left and the magic that he had, and already, like, the Garcia appointment was so underwhelming that they already quite worried about them. Milan, yeah, shambles. <laughs> Roma, so far off. What's going on with Milan, actually? Because they, were, they weren't great against Newcastle either, I didn't think. Are no, they? yes. Oh, flat. Yeah, that's that's well, that's exactly what it is. They've just been flat for six months or so now, mm-hmm. I would say. And I think Pioli's still struggling to kind of find out what his best team is with all the signings that they made in the summer, the guys that went. like Some of the signings they've made have been good. Like, Reinders started well. Uh, Pulisic started really well. But then nobody's really talking about it anymore because one massive defeat. And, I mean, they were well beaten in the derby. That's, like, five in a row that they've lost now. And... Yeah, Inter didn't even really have to get out of first gear and that's how good they looked. And that was after they'd thrashed Fiorentina the week before as well. It was like 4-0, or before the international break, sorry. So, yeah, they already look like they're going to run away with it. I mean, Juve might be the closest challenge, yeah. which uh, 
I mean, they probably should be considering, but they've got no European football. Yeah, so Marcus Thuram's looking very good as well. Yeah, I know, an amazing, yeah, amazing goal as well. In the mm-hmm. time. So he's already, yeah, love him already. Sommer looks like, I mean, for what they've spent to replace Onana, I don't think you'll notice that much of a difference, really. In fact, maybe, maybe an upgrade. Maybe an upgrade. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's he's a strange. Just but that's why they mentioned Onana. Did anyone else think that was really weird? The Ansu Fati chance in the last minute. Yeah, Ultra, he just how he got really close. His, like, yeah, and then he yeah. just he didn't. I was like, I've never seen a goal. Well, I've probably maybe happened not for a long time. So he stays. He stays. Yeah, he really had a, not something. I thought he should have saved that Jao Pedro one as well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but well, luckily Inter don't have that problem with the Ansu. David De Gea would have saved that. Tell you. Joel, we nearly got through a whole episode without you sticking the boot in on Everton. I think that must be a your, record. T- your time is now. Yeah. I've been warned um, <laughs> that I don't want to alienate Everton supporters. That might be possibly listening to this podcast. But, Millions um, of them. Yeah, they're already, they're already sad enough, aren't they? So. <laughs> and there it is. Well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll call it quits for today then, shall we? Thank you to Lewis, Podrick and Joel for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week when Joel Sanderson-Moy might be in the hosting chair again. He doesn't know it yet, but he might just be. So stay tuned for that. Thank you.